there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, it is Canada Day long weekend, and so I want to wish you a happy Canada Day weekend. Uh, please drive safe, uh, uh, safe boating, uh, lots of fun, lots of activity with the family and friends and, uh, yeah, get out the barbecue and some bevies and we finally got some good weather. Um, you know something we can celebrate my good friends. Uh, so far we're halfway through 2019 and the stock market. And as a matter of fact, the bond market, uh, are both, uh, up significantly stocks up year to date i don't know 12 13 14 15 percent depending on uh, which index you look at not bad for six months and bonds uh the long bond up uh jack eight, what eight to nine percent eight to nine percent on the year so uh, it is a bull market uh despite the pundits and all those naysayers out there and again i want to repeat two quotes that jack repeated to me it's old market wisdom number one you don't fight the tape meaning the ticker tape the stock tape if the market's going up don't fight it Go with it. The trend is your friend. And the second one is don't fight the Fed. The Fed is the central bank, and the central bank has told us it has our back. But don't get too excited, as market participants did in the last couple of weeks. And as such, the Fed said, wait a minute. We're going to assess and uh, took a bit of uh, cold water onto the market, uh, uh, took and take the market down a couple percent from its all-time high. So here we sit right now. At reasonable levels, um, not not at the peak, but close to the peak, and we're halfway through the year. Uh, who better to help us with the second half of the year looking forward uh, with my good friend John Johnston, Chief Strategist uh, Davis Ray, uh, frequent guest on High Fry Radio, and a longstanding um, uh, friend of mine uh, on Bay Street. I guess your friendship now goes back, what, 17, 18 years, John? Yeah, it does. Time flies. It really does. It's I remember scary. when I met you at RBC, and I was a new guy, and well, you probably had a few gray hair back then. Yep. Uh, I have no hair now, so you're, you're, you're ahead of me. Um, but uh, no, I, I certainly admired your work uh, back at uh, uh, the big bank, and I continue to uh, uh, respect uh, what you do. Thank you. So, so let, let's start with the market uh, as we sit right now. Um, you know, Jack and I continuously look for uh, ideas to put some money to work, although we took a little bit of money off the table just to get a bit defensive, a bit of a head. You know, we raised cash maybe 10% at all-time highs. Uh, so at least we can say, hey, we sold at the top if it rolls over. Uh, I don't think it's going to roll over. I think this market does want to plow higher. Uh, so Jack and I are trying to find ideas. So if we get a bit of a pullback, we can put some money to work. But the market the, the market at 17 times earnings or 18 times earnings, below 20 times earnings, uh, according to Warren Buffett, who recently said, with a low interest rate environment, the stock market is actually cheap. And I've not heard too many people say the market's cheap. In fact, I'm going to say the opposite. As Jack and I look for ideas, quality businesses are expensive. Ecolab, Edward Life Sciences, um, Software Land, gee was a lot of great software businesses that are cloud-based, uh, disruptive, uh, helping the world digitize, are nosebleed valuations, very, very expensive. So uh, against that backdrop, I ask uh, you, John, uh, how do you think the second half of 2019 is going to play out for investors? Well, I've, uh, I've taken the view that this year will be certainly more constructive year than last year. I think, though, that uh, uh, I'm pretty cautious over the next several months, and then I think the year will end on quite a good note. Whether we get to new highs in the second half of the year compared to where we are now remains to be seen. But one of the things I found is... So, so uh, short-term cautious, but by year-end, we're... Yeah, we're yeah. And, and why short-term cautious? Well, one of the things I do, you know, I track 
the global manufacturing cycle. Mm -hmm. The global manufacturing cycle moves ahead of the global economy. Uh, and usually when the global manufacturing sector puts in a bottom, that's usually pretty closely linked to bottoms in uh, a lot of asset prices. Uh, corporate bond spreads tend to peak around the time uh, the manufacturing sector uh, bottoms. Mm -hmm. uh, equity prices tend to bottom, uh, whether it's the broad indexes or some of the key cyclical sectors. Mm -hmm. uh, sovereign bond yields tend to bottom, mm -hmm. you know, a month or two on either side. Uh, of, so, of global manufacturing global bottom. Manufacturing. Yeah. And, and so, I has, so has I that bottomed? Has that bottomed already? No, it John? hasn't. Okay. Uh, the consensus was always that it's bottoming. It's going to bottom early in the year. And if, if the low in December was the actual low, uh, manufacturing should have bottomed by February based on kind of historical relationships. And those are always up for debate, but I've never found the kind of divergence we're seeing now between uh, the enthusiasm for corporate bonds and the enthusiasm for equities. Um, so I, I think that, you know, we could see some volatility and some weakness over the course of the summer because what I see is that uh, global manufacturing activity, the front leading indicators of global manufacturing activity. So I look at uh, the market global purchasing managers index for manufacturing. Mm -hmm. uh, it was still declining and dropped below 50 in May. Let, let, let me ask you, because I've never asked this question before. You're talking about the PMI. That's the acronym the for the Purchasing Managers, managers index. index. But I, I've always assumed I knew what that was. Can you do, do me a favor, help me out, educate me. What is the PMI specifically? Well, it's a survey of businesses. Uh, and they basically, they, they talk, there's a whole bunch of components. They fill out a questionnaire and the, the, the overall diffusion index is the number of people saying things are getting better versus the number of minus those who are saying things are getting worse. So they sum it up in, in so, positive versus negative and, and, yeah, and do yeah. a running tally. Yeah, and uh, it's very timely. So as of Monday, July the 1st, we will have a read on the global manufacturing sector based on this survey. We'll have the U.S. Institute for Supply Management Manufacturing. Because that's the big number I was taught to, to watch. The, but again, I'm going back 18 years when I started in the business. Is. is the ISM number, it, the Institute for Supply Management. It, you want that number to be above 50. Uh, above 50 shows expansion. Below 50 shows contraction. In, this, in manufacturing activity. And they also have one for services, the ISM services yeah. sector. And, but it, services tend to lag. The, you know, we're, we're dealing with financial markets. They move ahead of the economy, but they don't move really ahead of the manufacturing sector. So manufacturing, the manufacturing cycle is linked to a lot of the asset prices, and right now it's going down. So I think that there's going to be some convergence, mainly with asset prices coming down a bit. I'm not an outright bear. I think that the market will, you know, we're either, we've either, we're going to revisit the low from December, which is the, and it, or we're going to set a four-year cycle low. And then we're in for a couple of years of good markets. It's too early to count on a recession. Uh, I don't think that a recession is in the cards. Uh, so that means I'm not all that bearish and I'm looking for weakness to buy on and mainly in the cyclicals, which are really beaten down and are not expensive. Uh, this is Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, in studio, we have John Johnson, Chief uh, Investment Strategist with Davis Ray, uh, a longstanding friend of mine on Bay Street, a very, very smart man. Uh, lots of gray hair. Uh, means he's very, very seasoned. That's what we want uh, when we're dealing with people's money. Jack Hartle, of course, uh, my right-hand man, partner in crime. Uh, more of Hi-Fi Radio. We're going to talk about leading indicators, helping you look forward 
Lord, helping you have your own crystal ball. Uh, John Johnson is going to talk to us about some leading indicators and uh, allowing you to better gauge uh, where you think markets will head uh, for the rest of 2019. Right here on Hi-Fi Radio. More of it right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I assume that's some Grateful Dead, because we have John Johnson in studio. Correct me if I'm wrong. Absolutely trucking. So you're cashing your chips in, you're just going to keep on trucking, eh? Yep. Well, Jack and I took some money off the table. We took about uh, 10 12% off the table. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, I, I'm always challenged to make money in foreign markets. I, I make the bulk of my money for clients in North America when I step out. Uh, uh, over the pond, uh, off the continent, I tend not to make so much money. So I got to remind myself to stay at home. I have plenty of great ideas. South of the border, the world's most expensive market, I still think is the world's best market. The world's most expensive stock market right now is America. But uh, it is doing a whole lot right. Um, John, again, I want to talk about a number of different things. Um, leading indicators. You, here, you, here you have a chart, U.S. Conference Board leading, uh, leading indicator 1965 to 2019. Uh, it ebbs, it flows, but right now it looks like to me it's basically at an all-time high. Uh, leading indicator is a funny phenomenon because it, I, I, I'm not learned enough in the meaning or, or what, the, what the best leading indicators are. My favorite leading indicator, of course, is markets, stock market, bond market, interest rates, uh, those are leading indicators I can get my head around. But can you share with the audience leading indicators versus lagging indicators? That's something Jack pointed out as well. It's equally important to know what a lagging indicator is so that you don't use that lagging indicator uh, to make a leading decision. So please, can you give us some examples of leading indicators versus lagging indicators beyond the stock market being a leading indicator? Yeah, you should also include coincident indicators. So, you know, basically... There's a group of people at the National Bureau of Economic Research back in the early 1900s and up through the uh, Second World War who were really interested in explaining the business cycle and understanding the business cycle. So they looked at all sorts of indicators, financial markets, uh, commodity markets, uh, and the economy, and said, okay, which of these econ- which of these uh, individual series move before the economy so they would lead, mm. uh, which of them move with the economy, mm. so they're coincident, mm. uh, and which of them move after. Right. Um, for In our business, the key ones are the leading indicators. Um, and financial market variables are important. And, you know, we're all, we, we deal in the financial markets, but one of the thing, things that is kind of frustrating and we have to be careful about is we're using the markets that we deal in as leading indicators. They're not leading indicators of themselves. Uh, so I think that one wants to be kind of careful that uh, when the leading indicators are pointing towards recession, and it's not things change from cycle to cycle. So when I you quoted the conference board leading indicator there, it's an index of a whole range of series, economic and financial, that move ahead of the economy. And the the way the reason they mush them all together into an index is because. You know, housing was a big deal in the last cycle in the U.S. It's not as big deal this time. Because so yeah. So what what, what are the, what are the components then inside so, their so I inside would, their potpourri uh, of indexes? 
U.S. Uh, in the U.S. to be built in most economies, building permits. Yeah. Uh, because you take out the permit ahead of building. Yeah. And then the building kicks off a whole process of construction, and then inhabit inhabiting it and putting curtains up and buying furniture. So the the permits are the leading indicator. Okay. Uh, manufacturing activity like new orders. I put some orders in, that's a sign that I'm going to be doing something in the future. So watch building permits, watch new orders. Yep. Uh, I watch um, uh, the in- inventory ratios. How high are inventories relative to yeah, sales? Yeah, so the old phrase there is book to bill, is that, is that the one? Uh, or, 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 sales, or sales inventory. Yeah. How much of those inventory levels are being affected now by trade Well, that's China. the next big question. Because well, you, yeah. you talk about every sec, every uh, cycle is different. Yeah. Last cycle was influenced by housing. This one is, uh, like it or not, being influenced by Trump and trade. Yeah. Well, the last cycle had a huge financial component to it. This is more of a, a real economy issue with trade. Uh, and I'm quite concerned about it. I think we keep seeing the worst case scenario playing out in trade, not the best case that everybody's assuming. But you're right. Uh, one of the things that's kind of interesting is that, so you're disrupting supply chains, you're creating uh, borders a lot are of friction. Thic- yeah. thickening and friction. So that means inventories have to be higher relative to sales to, to, to be careful about that. And uh, you also have some cyclical pressure because we are seeing manufacturing slow down. The auto sector and the electronic sector is going through a big shakeout. You see that in semiconductor sales, which have absolutely collapsed. I just bought the semis. It's funny because everyone said they collapsed, get out. Well, they broke the 200-day moving average, and I stepped in and did some buying. Because the, 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 the phenomena that I've I'm, I'm been made aware of is and I'm, I'm, I gotta be careful that this is not a contrarian statement because uh, these statements can be made at tops not bottoms but the statement is the semis are the new transports so again Dow theory was you gotta make something which would be a leading indicator uh, your manufacturing makes sense and then you gotta transport it so would the transports be con- a, a coincident indicator in your opinion uh, yeah coincident uh the equity part would be more of a leading indicator. The actual physical transport would be uh, the, coincident. Uh, a, a coincident and, indicator. And, and be, be, before we go to commercial break, in 15, 20 seconds, give us a couple of lagging indicators. The unemployment rate's a lagging indicator. Yeah. Unemployment. What, give, give me another one. GDP's one for sure. No, we'll GDP, GDP. GDP is a coincident indicator because it's the cycle. Uh, from an investment perspective, real GDP is the is the thing that I like to spend the least amount of time I was going to say, my, my point is when they call for a recession, when the media is saying we're in a recession, the recession as an investor is over. you got to start looking forward to what's yeah. going to happen You're the next near the bottom. You're right. Yeah. Well, once they call a recession, it's two, two it's quarters. Too it's it's too two late. quarters. It's six months of bad economic data. Yeah. You're, you're, you're deep in the... But that's Poo-poo. when the, that's when the media is going to scare you. So as an investor, you got to be cautious on that. Correct. Yeah, you want to look at things that are really timely. Uh, one of the other things from the transports, uh, railway shipments, they come out weekly. So they, even though they're coincident, they're really timely. It's a railway, and they're they're coincident but timely. Yeah, yeah. Jack used to, I used to send Jack to Alberta to walk through the fields to count rigs. Uh, he hasn't done that in a little there's while. There's no pipeline, so he can't. There's no point in counting rigs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jack would Jack would become part of the egress problem. We couldn't get him back home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baker Hughes does that with a satellite now. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Eh? Yeah, oh, a satellite will count I those rigs. Yeah. Isn't that wild, Jack? You've been putting you you you've been <laughs> you've been what's the word? You've work, been disrupted. Yeah. You have to put him in orbit. <laughs> uh, this is Hi-Fi Radio. We got John Johnson, Chief Investment Strategist with Davis Ray, uh, a very seasoned, very intelligent man. Uh, always educating Jack and I. And uh, well, we're here to help you uh, better manage your money, uh, stability, big picture. Take it easy. Uh, you'll be much better served. It's a long weekend. I hope you're enjoying it. I uh, hope we're helping you educate yourselves about money and 
what better time to talk about money than on a long weekend? And if you ever have a question, you can always contact Jack or I. Just contact uh, uh, WolfgangKlein.com. WolfgangKlein.com. And I'm getting the wave. So we're going to go to commercial break and more of Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto, right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. How soon is now? Yes, I had to uh, buttress that uh, Grateful Dead with uh, something a little more contemporary, sort of contemporary from my era. Yeah, I'm dating myself too with that track, but it's such a good one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a long weekend, and uh, well, the stock market's near an all-time high. Uh, is this the beginning of the end? No, I don't believe it is. And uh, well, JJ has just got a little bit of black bear in him, but you know, it's been a long winter, and the bears are coming out, and they need to eat some food. And by the way, folks, if you're camping, make sure you keep your garbage up in a tree. Bears are hungry. You don't want to come and encounter one of those black bears as cute as they may be and uh, well if you want to have a visit the black bears just come to the Minden dump uh, they're always out on Sundays they just know it's Sunday it's time to come out no not Saturdays Sundays uh, they they have this internal clock knowing when that garbage is going to come out and uh, hey don't forget that uh, go to Kinmount uh, movie theater as well uh, I guess they're open for business our good friend Keith there will be showing some of the greatest uh, flicks but this is a show about money and we have John Johnson in studio. We're talking uh, leading indicators, lagging indicators. Uh, let's talk about an old relic. And then uh, one that is actually quite new. And that is a store of value. Uh, Bitcoin versus gold uh, versus Facebook, JJ. Interesting phenomenon. Uh, Facebook a few weeks announced a few weeks ago announced that they're going to launch this uh, uh, peer-to-peer type currency, correct, Jack? Yeah, called, Libra. Called Libra. And uh, with their 2.6 billion people on their f- multiple platforms um, and the uh, nod of, yeah, we're with you, by about 30 major uh, financial uh, institutions in the world, um, they really woke up the uh, cryptocurrency space. And, and Bitcoin got above 13,000. Gold got above 1,400. Um, what's your take on that space? I'm kind of skeptical of the whole cryptocurrency thing. You know, as far as, you know, when I think about gold, I think about the U.S. dollar. So let's maybe just put it in a bit of context here. We've had a a cycle since 2011 of the U.S. dollar rising in value. And there are these cycles that run anywhere from seven to nine years where the U.S. dollar goes up and then the U.S. dollar goes down against the whole basket of currencies. And we're late in the U.S. dollar cycle. Uh, you know, the next big move in the realignment in currency markets is going to be U.S. dollar down. And so therefore gold up. And, and commodities up. Your euro up, gold up? Yeah. Commodities and up? Canada, even the Canadian dollar up to the detriment of Canada. But... Um, you know, and, and everything turns slightly, slightly different time. Gold, you know, turned in 1999. The U.S. dollar turned in 2002. And oil turned at a different time. Uh, I don't know if we're fully washed out in some of the commodities, but it looks to me, and I, I gave you guys a long-term chart of, uh, of the gold sector in Canada, the equities vis-a-vis uh, the broad TSX going back to the mid-1940s. And it looks to me like gold as a, an investment 
Uh, and and long term, my look at long term movements in gold prices. So you're saying right now, gold cheap? I think gold is cheap. Yeah. I think you have to be patient, but I think we're we're moving into a, a rising tide for gold. Uh, I don't think we're quite there yet for energy. I think we're going to get a cyclical bounce in energy uh, once the manufacturing sector bottoms. But uh, I think we need to see more signs of of this investment in physical production of energy being shut but down. The only Before reason we'll hit the bottom. But the, I, so just to, <clears throat> to finish the point, I like gold. And with that, you know, the but Bitcoin, you like gold because you don't like the U.S. dollar. Well, partly, yeah. And, and so, uh, my so gold of, also looks more attractive. To, we talked about this this week, Wolf. Was with negative interest rates, it costs money to store gold. Right? There's a carrying cost there. There's also a carrying cost if you own 25 percent of the sovereign bonds in Europe right now. It, you have to actually pay to store yeah. your money in bonds. So negative interest rates are throwing, I think, some of these alternative asset classes, whether it's cryptocurrency, and I don't think cryptocurrency personally is a good store of value because it's so volatile. But uh, when you look at gold, when you look at cryptocurrency, when you look at alternative stores of value, we've had a lot of people with the art collections on recently, those types of things. So people are looking at those because they say, where can I put my money that I think is good for the long term? Hey, Brittany, can you do me a favor as, as Jack and I continue to, with, with the show of Hi-Fi Radio for the next 60 seconds, you give me the wrap I can see here. Can you Google and tell me um, a rare collectible... Um, Grateful Dead vinyl. Uh, what's that? That worth? Bowie, rare, rare Bowie, rare Dylan, worth about twenty five, thirty thousand bucks. I'm gonna for that Grateful Dead. How many, how many records did they produce, by the way, JJ? Uh, I don't remember. It's yeah. just because they put out more releases since they, Jerry Garcia died than they did when they were out. Right. They put in an 83 CD set a few years ago. That <laughs> <laughs> That's comical. It is, and it sold out. An 83. Something from every year, from 1960, a complete concert every year from 1966 to 1995, and the only few songs they did in 1965. The year I was born. You know, I was given today, by the way, on a, another note of store of value. And actually, I think the store of value worked. I was given three. Were they, they were Churchills, right, Jack? They were, yeah, yeah. 1965. I got. I was given three Churchills today. It's a coin uh, commemorating the passing of Winston Churchill. Uh, March, I think it was March 17th, 1965. And I said, is this actual currency? And the guy said, yeah, I think it's actually three pounds. It's a three-pound coin. So anyways, I went on to Google and found out what it was worth. And uh, uh, worth about 22 American dollars, Jack, was it Canadian dollars? Canadian dollars. I'm not twenty-two sure. Canadian. My point is that Churchill coin has actually been a very good store of value. I believe it's it's pure sterling, uh, and it is appreciated in value. So, well, we may be talking about coin collections uh, on the break or <laughs> coming out of the break uh, with John Johnson, chief investment strategist, right here on Hi Fi Radio. More of it right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. And so John Johnston, like he immersed himself into this type of stuff, and he still turned out okay. Um, <laughs> you, you know, you know. So, so Brittany uh, took a look. Uh, what the rare. Um, piece of vinyl is worth from the Grateful Dead, and the biggest number she came up with was three hundred dollars. JJ, come on, 
What, 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 300 bucks? Well, that's not nothing. It is. And, you know, everybody everybody who wants it has it. You know, they keep reissuing the stuff. But the dead are putting out, you know, a lot of live music. And if you go on the live music archive, uh, almost probably, they did about 2,800 shows. And I think uh, there are various versions of about 2,400 of them up there. All I know is there's 7,000. There's 2,400 live shows on YouTube? Uh, on the live music archive. On the- where you can go. It's an audio. You can share it. You can download it. And... Uh, uh, you know, but in total, there's multiple recordings of some shows, but I think there's like 7,400 recordings up there. I wonder how much money they're making from streaming and uh, and the likes now. As a uh, they've never made money off of their records. You know, they put out. Yeah, no, no, but now, now that stuff has been digitized. Now, there's, now, now people are streaming it. And, they are. And, and if you stream and enough, you get paid. You get paid little. They make money by touring, and they've always done that. They did their, show, their 50th anniversary shows, which was the last time the original surviving four played together. They made $55 million. You know, Jack, it's funny because Jack and I like to buy stocks like the Grateful Dead, truth be told. You know, the railway stocks like like the Grateful Dead. Slow, steady, keep producing, keep predictable. Very predictable cash flow. And that's what right now the market is really paying up for. We've talked about that, Wolf. You talked about... uh, uh, well, fixed, he, well, you talk about fixed income, right? The the ten year government bond right now is hovering around two percent. If yeah. I can get an earnings yield of six to seven percent, I think it's relatively predictable. People are willing to pay up for that right now. I'll tell you one: the stocks that are working best, uh, JJ, are those uh, tech stocks, software stocks. Um, the, the stocks in the payment space, like Jack and I uh, went went and uh, bought a company called Fizzerv. Um, they're they're all about card issuance and, and and processing of payment statements and the likes. And we also also bought uh, a, a eclectic, eclectic stock called PayPal. Ooh, so mm. unique, eh? Um, credit cards, same thing. Yeah. So the digital payment is is absolute. But I want I want before we pivot, I want to come back to one thing here. You th- you like gold. Um, you like other currencies. The U.S. dollar has its strength or has its value in a few different things. Number one, it has been, and for the most part is today, it's still the global currency. Number two, interest rates are a big factor in, in the value of a currency. Interest rates around the world, if you want to get yield over that, uh, you, know, you want to get a couple points on your money versus negative yield, you go to the U.S. I say U- two percent is not exciting, but for a developed market, at least it's not negative yield. Well, yeah, because in Germany, uh, you, you you don't get two percent; you get negative a quarter percent. Again, people scratch their heads for, for the privilege to lend to the German government. Correct. Uh, and, and you're lending a euro uh, as well. I, I think there you're going to make money on the currency itself. If you were to convert U.S. to euro by the euro bond, you won't make money in the bond, but you could make money on the currency yeah. trade. And, and once again, that's kind of a, a my statement about the U.S. dollar is a longer term thing. I don't know when the exact peak is going to be. We may look back on the index that I follow, and it may be it peaked right around the Trump time Trump got elected. Uh, people look at various measures, but you know we're rounding. You know, maybe the maybe the thing goes up for another year or so. You know, if the if the Fed is going to run a tight, relatively tight monetary policy, uh, the tariffs tend to help the U.S. dollar. Uh, too much to to Trump's consternation. Um, but it may go up for a while longer. But the next big trade, you want to make a lot of money. Sorry, why do tar- why, why tariffs help? I'm sorry, it's, why, it's, why do tariffs help the U.S. dollar? It, it, the, the, I'm kind of, you know, anecdotal. No, there's there's theory behind it, and it, it tends to be in the kind of the framework. The way I think about things is, you impose tariffs, you change the terms of trade, and that means the dollar's up. In the long run, it's a sign of bad economic policy, which you know you see it too. And you know he's riding the Fed governor. It's a sign of knucklehead policy. I'll just put it all under <laughs> hey, that. But, you know, and that's to, bad. That's bad for U.S. Yeah, but, assets. No, but I want to, again, I want to challenge you on this thing here. I'm not a Trump supporter. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm as Canadian as they get. But you know, I have to give the guy credit here 
I think he is doing good for America. And you know why I'm going to go back to who is king in the world of business? The customer. Who's the customer in this relationship, China versus America? And the answer is America is the customer because America imports about $600 billion of Chinese goods. The Chinese import $150 billion of those goods. Much of them are intellectually heavy and have to be manufactured in China. That's where the theft takes place of the intellectual property. So I think Trump going after this is actually going after two items at the same time. Number one, trade is not balanced between the two nations. America is the customer buying way more stuff than the Chinese buy. And number two, he needs to protect, I think, intellectual capital. It is it is invaluable. You don't want your work ripped off. Americans don't want their work ripped off. But JJ, stay with us. Uh, we're going to go back to commercial break. We have John Johnson in studio. Big brains. We're talking about big, interesting stuff right here on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, turn up your radio, top up your coffee, and more of it right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Welcome to Canada Day Long Weekend. Uh, we are Canadians, and uh, we have heart, and we like to give. Uh, I'm going to help you uh, for a cause. Um, CMHA, uh, Canadian Mental Health Association, uh, needs your help. Uh, we, have, we have a very interesting guest on the line. Uh, Ryan Martin is his name. Um he uh, has had many ups and downs in his life, 22-year-old, uh, led to a bipolar uh, disorder diagnosis. Um, but Ryan, of course, has not let those challenges slow him down. And in 2018, he decided to let the world know about his struggles and inspire people to start talking about theirs. And we are seeing more people, of course, talk about this. Of course, the whole Bell Initiative, and it's very, very positive in terms of talking about your issues. Um, it led to an initiative called MindCycle, mindcycle.ca, where he biked on a bicycle from Tofino, B.C. I've always wanted to go to Tofino, uh, to St. John's, Newfoundland, a town I have been to, to spark change across Canada. In the end, Ryan raised $125,000 for CMHA, Canadian Mental Health Association, and thousands of conversations and inspiring people coast to coast to take action on their mental health issues. Uh, I want to thank you very much for joining us on the show, Ryan. Uh, I was introduced to you when I fell in our office. Charlie said, hey, Wolf, uh, can you help me? I'm helping raise money for a friend. And I said, sure, I can help. And I gave him a little bit of money uh, for your cause. So you just finished uh, uh, a nice little campaign. Uh, please tell us about uh, your journey. Tell us about what you do and tell us about why it's important and why people should support your cause, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I guess a little bit about my story was like you said I had been kind of dealing with um, anxiety and depression and just kind of everywhere in between for most of my you know high school and university life and uh, it just got to a point for me after I got diagnosed with bipolar and I was like so embarrassed and you know terrified to for people to find out and just so much shame and guilt I just got to a point where I was like all right I've had enough of this like I just it's not fair to myself to be so embarrassed about this um, if I can open up you know I knew that I'd probably get more support and I knew that I'd probably get the love from my friends and family that I needed um, but you know the, the whole stigma thing really kind of kept me back from 
from doing that. And so I finally just got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And so I uh, I launched MindCycle, which was my own um, project for me to just kind of fully expose everything I've been going through. You know, you know, I have anxiety, have depression, I've been suicidal, I've done therapy, I'm on mood disorder medications, all this kind of stuff. Just so everyone could really understand you know, who I am. Mm-hmm. I didn't care what they were going to say. I was like, I don't care if it's good or bad, like their reaction. I just want you to know. The truth. The, this is the truth about what yeah. a person like me deals with on a day-to-day basis. So um, you took initiative, big-time initiative, and you rode your bicycle. So uh, from Tofino to St. John's, if you correct me, wrong, I thought that's about 6,000 kilometers. Jack's telling me you actually cycled 10,000 kilometers. Yeah, I, I kind of took the scenic route. Like, I, I added on a lot of distance just because, for me, it wasn't a race. You know, I had left my job, so I wasn't coming back to anything guaranteed. And so I saw, you know, I pretty much hit every major. I hit every major city uh, in Canada outside of the territories um, and got to do, like, you know, huge parts of Quebec and the Gaspésie, you know, all, all the way around Nova Scotia all the way around Cape Breton, all the way across Newfoundland. And those are typically areas wow. that some people, some people decide not to do just based off time or, or money, whatever. But um, yeah, I was like, I, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to see everything. And so it was 10,000 kilometers in the end based off of Strava. But my dad put in the whole route into Strava and calculated it. Um, and yeah, it took me four months. And so it was, it was a, uh, it was quite the summer. So, Ryan, how, how were you received when you went through these cities? Uh, obviously, some of these smaller cities, kind of off the grid, uh, sort of, uh, but obviously having a, quite a story go through their town. Um, what was the message, and uh, how were you received as uh, you went through? It really depended. Like, in the bigger cities, we'd do, like, uh, press releases, so I'd get a fair amount of uh, media coverage, whether it's, you know, TV, radio, you know, podcasts, phone interviews, uh, you know, newspaper, or whatever. Um and that was kind of in the bigger cities and the smaller cities. I didn't really make too much of an effort to like do press releases or really get out there. It was more, um, I visited a lot of uh, the Canadian Mental Health Association branches, which are in almost every community in Canada. And I go in and, and do a talk and talk to the people who use those resources. And a lot of the times it's like really, really low income people. Um, so it was pretty impactful for me to go in and see the reality of, of mental health situation in that and in that community and at that income level. Um, and so, yeah, in the smaller communities, it was that. And also just talking to people like I, my Jersey said, cycling Canada for mental health on the back, just like really simple uh, lettering. And so people would come up to me in Tim Hortons, you know, McDonald's in the morning, just end up having a chat or people would pull over, pull me over on the side of the road. And there was a time when this guy in the middle of the mountains in BC pulled me over and just like broke down crying in front of me, just saying, you know, he'd been struggling with, PTSD for such a long time and you know he had no idea how to talk about it or what to do about it and he just wanted to say thanks and gave me $20 and, and drove wow. away and I'm just left you know in the middle of probably one of the more remote places in Canada you know and uh, someone's ready to just absolutely break down in front of me and just blew my mind that you know right in that situation is ready to break down like how many people in Toronto are ready to break down just Based off the density of people here. That's that's great. No, you, Ryan, you, you you remind me somewhere between a Terry Fox and a Stomp and Tom Connors, uh, but you're Ryan Martin. Uh, you have a great story to tell. This is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Now, why are we talking to Ryan Martin? Because a number of things. Number one, we have a responsibility to give. 
Uh, Jack and I wanted to give you some good ideas as to how you can give. We're going to help you make money. Some of the money you make with Jack and I, please give back. People like Ryan Martin who are uh, fighting uh, mental health, uh, there's, there's, there's services out there who can help people if you're suffering from mental health. Uh, the Canadian Me- Mental Health Association, Brian has been referring to, is, is his cause. Um, so, uh, Brian, we're going to go to commercial break. Uh, as Brittany says, yes, that's good, Wolf, before I hit you. Um, and we're going to come back. I want to um, talk to you about your next adventure. What are you doing next? You just completed an adventure, and what's in store then for the next 12 months? How can we help you help the cause? Stay tuned. Hi-Fi Radio, more of it right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is a good summer song, isn't it? It is Hi-Fi Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am Wolfgang Klein, your host of A Money Show. Yes, my life dream has been to try to share and try to give back to you the wisdom and knowledge I've learned about building wealth, managing money, and managing risk, and being opportunistic. Um, Yes, optimism. We need some of that, don't we? Uh, Look, there's a lot of causes in this world, and uh, it's important that we take care of those who need our help. Very, very important. And as I said, Jack and I are here to help you make money. We're here to talk about compounding. Uh, When you give, you get back in spades. I've said this over and over and say it again. We, you know, first of all, charitable giving here in Canada almost gives you a 50% tax break. So if you give a thousand, you'll get basically $500 back in tax savings. So it only costs you 500, but the charity gets the full thousand. Now the best way to give to a guy like my friend, Ryan Martin here, who has ridden 10,000 kilometers across Canada um, for Canadian mental health and uh, awareness and uh, services required by many of folk, um, but the best way to give to someone like him is actually to, to give stock certificate that has appreciated a lot for you. So don't give cash. If you have a stock that's up a lot, ask your advisor, someone like me, to send you a certificate or actually just to transfer shares from your account to the name charity, and then the full market value will be your tax receipt uh, as opposed to giving an after-tax dollar. So you actually get twice the bang for your buck, which means the charity gets twice the bang for its buck. But we must give. We don't give enough. And uh, Ryan Martin's uh, cause is a, a very, very real cause. I know a few people who uh, were bipolar. I've seen them go through their cycle, uh, mm-hmm. of, of, uh, i.e. hidden a point of mania. And yep. whoa. Off the charts, off the charts, um, and challenging, challenging for the loved ones around. I've seen it over and over again. It ends up, you know, often with medical attention and an additional cost to society. So, it, 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 the more we can do research, the more we can help, the more we can be aware and understand, the better off we can all be. My, my friend, by the way, once was not admitted onto an airplane because he was just about to go into this manic phase, and the pilot saw wow. him and said, We are not letting you board this plane. Uh, the plane was starting back for an hour and a half. Uncle was waiting to pick him up. It was a complete train wreck, uh, so to speak. So, you know what I'm talking about, Ryan, don't you? Yeah. Wait, can you ask that again? I think I missed something. No, I, my point is when you, you, you're suffering from bipolar, and I, I've witnessed people who are bipolar, when they when they stop taking their medication, oh. when they go into a point of a manic phase, it can be massively dramatic. And Jack, you know what I'm talking about. You witnessed it before, too, through a friend of yours. You've, you've sure, told me yeah. the story. It's difficult. Mm. So my point is, 
we we are, we we want to help. We're here to help. Uh, I gave you a little bit of money. I want Hi-Fi listeners to again listen to your cause. So um, Jack.org, and I'm not talking about Jack Hartle, i.e. the other half of the Wolfman Jack here. But uh, you, you're not representing an organization called Jack.org. Uh, Ryan Martin, yeah. the man who rode 10,000 kilometers coast to coast uh, for uh, Canada Mental Health Association. What is Jack.org all about, and how do we help you get awareness of the cause? Yeah, so Jack.org is uh, a national uh, charity that focuses on youth mental health. And our kind of slogan is, is training and empowering youth to revolutionize mental health all across Canada. So we have a, a network of almost 3,000 youth uh, between the ages of 15 and 24 in every single province and territory that are out there in the communities delivering talks, organizing events, coming to our summits all over Canada really to just kind of educate them. We educate them. We provide them with the tools to go back to their communities and start creating change, you know, breaking down the stigma, um, influencing policy, just uh, getting conversations started, all that kind of stuff. It's so important. Dialogue is so important. Hey, I, I want to, before we run out of time, JJ actually has a really, really good idea for you, Ryan. Uh, we, J- J- Jim, J- John Johnson's still in the studio with us. Uh, you know, being a Grateful Dead guy, he's got a big, big broad mind, and uh, of course he wants to hear your story. So uh, yeah, what's your idea for Ryan? Well, I just thought, you know, have you written a book? There was a, a money guy named Jim Rogers who rode around the world on a motorcycle, and he wrote a book about it. That's a great point. Jim Rogers, I remember a, him. Then he drove a, a car around the world with his wife and their kid and wrote a book about Jim it. Jim Rogers, yes. He was a like, commo- the ultimate commodity guru. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of thinking here ahead of Canada Day. Uh, I love traveling in Canada. And so what, do I. You know, and, you know. A lot of us would be interested in hearing your experiences about what you you found in Canada riding around on a bike, as well as you know how it helped you through your uh, difficulties. Yeah, no, and like a lot of people have said that, and I think I could definitely put something together for sure. Um, the thing with me is like I don't like when it comes to mental health, my bike ride is really only one piece of this whole this whole story, and not to say that I want to write a book about my my whole story. In terms of you know, managing mental health, the mental health climate in Canada. You know, that's all things that I want to talk about. And those are the things I'm learning more and more about every day. And so if I read a book, I want it to be bigger than just the ride. I want it to be um, kind of all-encompassing. You know, obviously with the ride and what I learned um, when I did it, a big part of it. But I think I'm still I'm still learning so much every day. Now that I'm working in mental health full-time, um, I don't think I'm quite there yet in terms of, the kind of scope I want to write about. Yeah, it's a great story with all the challenges that you face and the inspiration and overcoming it, drive, going 10,000 kilometers across Canada. It's, I it's, it's a something. great story and it's, it's you know, it continues uh, from what I uh, from what I hear. That would be uh, a really get, interesting book to read. It would be a great book. And again, youth is, again, dear to my heart. I, I'm a big supporter of Covenant House. Uh, I've slept on the streets before for them. I'm, I'm, I'm a, oh, uh, nice. And I'm a big, big supporter. But, um, you know, the, 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 I've known a few people I mentioned before who were bipolar. And I'll tell you something else about the individual. We mentioned when they when they go to a manic state, how devastating it can be. But those individuals I have found have also are incredibly talented, very brilliant at, at, at certain things that they do. Um, be it from from cooking to to art to music to to mathematics, very very intellectual, very very capable. So uh, I think again we need to help those uh, because if we do, the outcome can be magnificent. It really really can. And that's what the show is all about. It's Hi-Fi Radio. Jack and I are here to help you manage money, and then you must give 5%, 10% on an annual basis to people like Ryan. Uh, We will all live in a better place. Do you not agree, JJ? Yep, I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for the show, folks. I want to wish you once again a great Canada Day weekend. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to spend an hour with you each and every week, as Jack and I shall continue to do so on the Global News Radio Network 640 in Toronto. And a good thank you, of course, to uh, John Johnson, Chief Investment Strategist from Davis Ray. Uh, wish you uh, a great uh, long weekend as well, my good friend. All the best, my friends, and I'll speak with you next week. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.